Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Media in Mind. I am the cooler co-host, Robert Abel. And I am the actual cooler co-host, Stephen Romero. And today, we're going to talk about how technology impacts the classroom in everyday life. But most importantly, the classroom. We also have a very special guest, LaToya Lewis, a professor at Lone Star College that teaches the course for other teachers to get better with technology. But first... Something that I've been reading about lately is uh, virtual reality in the classroom and how it will impact the future of education. I've been reading about this specifically because there are um, rumors and speculation that I am not officially allowed to confirm that... Lone Star College Tomball is going to get a virtual reality system similar to the one already found at UP. Uh, Robert, do you have any comments on that? So see the patterns within the patterns and take off the aluminum foil hat because we shall be seeing virtual reality and really cool technology inside LCD Tomball in the future. Are you excited? Oh, I'm very excited. When we first get the system, we're going to recreate the layout of our, our studio room and we're just going to create such an interactive environment. We can have like a wall come barreling down and then like a giant TV screen pops out of nowhere. We can have signs and posters pop out, like like visually like 3D pop out and you can interact with it. And so I'm really looking forward to like having a uh, project like that. Honestly, I'm just looking forward to developing for virtual reality because that's kind of where entertainment is going mm -hmm. towards. There are movies like uh, Hardcore Henry, for example. It's basically like a first-person parkour action movie yeah. made by Russians. And that's the <laughs> only thing you need to know. It's amazing, right? They already made a virtual reality version of that movie because the entire movie was shot in first person. It's like you are, Henry, you know, beating up all these bad guys, right? My biggest question is, how do you think this is going to impact the education world? Do you imagine virtual reality? reality classrooms. Yeah, I actually can see it because I saw some demos, like especially with uh, engineers and health studies, like someone going into the medical department. They can actually like see full scale models of the skeletal structure, the nervous system, muscular, uh, vascular system. They can go into detail without actually like having cadaver or anything down that line. I believe that it'll make the medical classes here at Lone Star, like the nursing classes, way easier. It'll make classes very exciting to go to. Like, you can imagine, like, the students being pumped up, or it's like, sweet, I can't wait to go put on my 3D glasses <laughs> and I can go, like, zoom in close in get, on the brain. Get my HTC Vive controllers and just <laughs> grab the scalpel and just screw everything up by complete accident, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But because the virtual reality system that we are using is going to be integrated within multimedia services via the One Button Studio, I also wanted to talk about some of the services that we already have on offer. What a lot of students and faculty don't seem to know is that we already have a studio called the One Button Studio, as I've mentioned previously, that anybody can just walk into and make a professional looking video. I've even made promotions specifically highlighting things in the One Button Studio that students and faculty can use. And yet it's so underutilized and I think that's kind of sad. You can actually like create such a professional looking like video uh, for your classroom it doesn't have to seem like it's coming from straight out of the 80s where you have to have like a hip hop like eight track playing and uh, you have like <laughs> you have like PowerPoint um, fonts popping up like Comic Sans. But if you do need to create a presentation or just want to create a nice looking video, stop by E214, which is the One Button Studio, and talk with one of our work studies. Yeah. Multimedia service iMac Studio also contains a sound booth where you can come in, you can record, say, a PowerPoint. We have Camtasia. Uh, some professors have come in and they've done it flawlessly where they can create an entire 30 to 40 minute video for their hybrid or online classes. And we're recording that, so if you like the way we sound and you want to sound similar... Come on down. It's, okay. it's like this one from like a podcast till it's like, like, what was that like from the 90s? Like the, like meet your date. Oh my God. Behind, behind the curtains. Like here's date I number one. Those. Here's date number two. <laughs> 
I like long walks walks on the beaches. <laughs> I like long Fortnite sessions inside my bedroom. <laughs> I dab on the first date. There's something else that I kind of want to uh, talk about off the cuff, which is something called internet addiction. This was established as an actual problem about a year ago, and we will touch on that subject on the Latoya Lewis interview, which I will introduce here in a minute. But before then, Robert. Mm-hmm. Do you think internet addiction is real, even though it is in the books now? Come to think of it, it's one of those things that's self-aware where it's like you like point your finger up, it's like, well, actually, and then it just dawns upon you like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> it is kind of a problem because since since now we basically have a PC in our pocket, like we can access the uh, World Wide Web in like an instant, at our fingertips, basically. And if you can take a moment, step out in the commons, you're bound to see at least like three people on their phones. They're checking Facebook, they're playing with Snapchat, they're looking at YouTube. It's like a double-edged sword. It's, it's an addiction, but at the same time, the internet can like offer such great information right at your fingertips. It just takes me back to that quote, like, we have the world's information at our fingertips, and yet we waste it looking up cat videos and people playing video games. I think it's funny. Maybe, maybe that's just me and my uh, weird twisted dystopian sense of humor (laughs) it's this whole thing where we're so obsessed with the mundane parts that technology has to offer and i don't think there's anything wrong with that Mm. coming from somebody who just before robert walked in i was watching youtube and i could have been looking up government secrets but i don't know robert i'm not gonna lie Mm -hmm. i like you as a co-host but you're not an expert in technology. You're just not. So I'm going to go ahead and steal Professor Latoya Lewis from her office right this second, right outside of the sound booth, and we're going to interview her about technology in an ever-changing world. That's fine. I'm going to go get my coffee then. All right. Well, get the get get, get out. Get, get out of the sound booth. Get, get uh, hi, my name is Stephen Romero uh, with Media in Mind, as you've heard me earlier, and this is our first interview with Latoya Lewis. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing just fine. I want to talk with you today mostly about technology okay. and uh, how you use it in your everyday life and how it's used in the classroom as well. Okay. So, first question: um, How do you use technology in your personal life? Well, I use my phone, of course, quite a bit. Um, I am my part. Do I have a personal life? I feel like everything's revolved around work. Um, so just social media apps. Which ones do you use the most? So I stalk people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Don't look at my Twitter. I, <laughs> please. I do a little bit of tweeting. Check a lot of email. Um, surf the internet. Get caught up on certain YouTube videos sometimes. I'm a television junkie. Mm-hmm. I love TV and movie, more, mainly television. So Netflix, Hulu, Prime. You yeah, know. The, the big three. The big three. What are your thoughts on how technology has mixed our everyday life and society? Um, so was raised in the 80s. And so I think then the only technology I was familiar with was the television, maybe the microwave, right? And when cell phones were invented, they were huge like cinder blocks. And they were useful, but you know, not everyone had one. And then I look at, at the things like I had a pager. Oh, I did. I did have a pager. Um, and I used to learn, I'd learned how to type in messages to all of my friends. You know, I've only seen shady people nowadays use pagers, <laughs> but I never knew how one worked. From a phone, you would call the pager number. Gosh. And I think you type in, it'll like beep, and then you put the phone number, the return phone number in. But if you wanted to send like a text message, you would have to learn how like hello would be 
0-7734. I think you have to type it in backwards and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a mirror image. So when they read it, it's hello instead of 07734. Oh, so you have to learn like a bunch of codes. You do. So that's it. And you have to go to a phone to be able to return the call. Fair enough. Uh, do you think that you personally have technology addiction? And what I mean by that is always on your phone, always on the TV, always using something like a dependency. I, I don't like to say that, but I think so, yes. Um, I've actually started using the Screen Time app on my phone. And oh, no. <laughs> like, how <laughs> oh, is it no. possible that I spend that much time on my phone? Or I pick it up so many times throughout the day. But I am pretty much glued to technology. So if I'm at work, I'm always on a computer. So, yes, I think I am. And do you think that it's a problem with the youth? Like, do you think mm-hmm. that the youth have, like, a huge problem the with... The youth. <laughs> As in, I'm not a part of that. I'm 80 years old. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but um, I've heard a lot of arguments that technology is a problem, right? But personally, I believe that um, the youth... Or the, I can't stop saying that. Jeez, <laughs> like, the youth. The youth. That should be the I title have, of this I, podcast. <laughs> the youth. I, I think that a lot of people in general in all age groups misuse technology. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think anything can be misused, right? So I think that technology definitely has a lot of good value and benefits. And so if used properly, it's not a detriment to society. I do think that especially the youth may overuse it because that's their form of entertainment, right? Kids don't play outside like they did when they were my age. Um, and I think that's okay. I think of my son who he has a PS4. Oh, yes. And he has a phone. Like, he wants his own YouTube channel, right? He wants to be a sportscaster. So he wants to be able to commentate on sports and upload it to YouTube so people can learn from that. And that way, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's actually a way to help him start finding his passion, but also helping him develop that passion at an early age. He's also gets into communities with his friends. So sometimes when it's not possible for them to all be together in the same room, I hear all of his basketball and football team members like on a squad on Fortnite or whatever that is. <laughs> And they're networking with one another. So in that way, I think that's good as well versus him just being in his room locked up staring at a video game. One of the other values in it, he is an avid basketball fan and he plays NBA 2K. I mean, he can talk about basketball in a way that most kids can't. But in addition to that, player stats has taught him how to convert fractions to decimals. So he's learned that through the My Career. I think that's what it is. I'm probably messing that all up. But by doing the My Career version of that game where they can build teams and all kind of stuff, he's actually learning things that will be useful for him. Okay, so that actually segues um, perfectly because a fair amount of teachers believe that, like from my personal research, that technology can't really be used properly in the classroom. Mm. A f- surprising amount. Hold on. But there was a correlation between that question and another question, which mm-hmm. was, do you think the proper amount of technology is used in your personal like classroom? Mm-hmm. And 90% of teachers that answered no to technology being useful answered no as well to that question. Okay. Do you think like superintendents and like higher-ups aren't giving the teachers enough training or use for technology in order for them to appreciate it in their classroom more? So I think it depends. In K-12, so kindergarten through 12th grade, primary and public schools, um, they do have access to a lot of technology. So I taught high school for a while, Mm -hmm. and we had smart boards, and students all had their own laptops. And some school districts are going toward that where students have their own device. My son has his own device. Um, I can't really speak for what 
training is offered, but I do know that it's very accessible. So I don't know if they say, hey, here's a tool, use it, or here's a tool, let me train you on how to effectively use it in the classroom, and then let's go forth. I've seen some teachers do some really innovative things with technology um, in the classroom. In higher ed, we find that a lot of college professors don't really have access to as much technology, or they don't know how to utilize it in the classroom. I actually wrote an instructional technology certification program program for faculty that teaches them how to use technology in the classroom effectively so that it becomes a part of learning and not just a the new flashy thing in the classroom. I think I'm just going to straight up ask the okay. hardest question of this entire okay. day, right? Do you, do you believe in a robot takeover? And I'm not talking about like Terminators specifically. Do you think that technology is going to take over our own individual lives? Like not in like robots are going to come and kill us all. Right. But I'm, I'm talking like um, like students and like uh, adults and people of this generation are going to be so infatuated with technology mm-hmm. to where it hinders their social life. I think it, there's definitely the possibility for that. But I think as educators and um, parents, we have to help those, the youth, <laughs> learn how to balance it, right? Because I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that for all the the evil that can come from technology, there's also good that can come from it. So, you know, right now, cyberbullying is a big thing, right? Of course. Well, but the flip side of that is that you can also teach students how to interact with other people from a distance, right? How often can you communicate with someone who's not in the same city as you're in, right? Technology gives you that ability. So um, it can, I just think it depends on how responsible the adults are um, in the situation. And I think that we do have a responsibility to make sure that there is a balance. Yeah, because I noticed that a lot of parents specifically, right, Mm -hmm. um, like helicopter parents, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big problem when it comes to technology because not only do you have the technology to do that more efficiently, Mm -hmm. but on top of that, if you don't know how the culture of technology works, it could affect the development of your kid. It could. So I think it's kind of like it's a learning process. It is. Like everything's a learning process. Mm -hmm. I do have a story real quickly that I just thought about that I'll share. So I'm not a huge hoverer. They all say that. (laughs) My (laughs) my son's been pretty safe. But I think that just like you teach your kids not to run in the street, right, or you tell them don't touch the hot pot. Sometimes telling them is not as effective as allowing them to experience it, right? Like you don't want your child in danger, but if they touch the hot pot, that's a lot more relatable than someone saying don't touch it. So my son, I pay for these gift cards so that he can add things to his team, his my career, um, virtual currency. Mm -hmm. Well, one day someone friended him very quickly and stole his player. And he was, and then he couldn't find him, and he was devastated. And we had a talk, and basically I told him, you can't trust just anyone, right? So that was a valuable lesson that he learned, and I think that will stick with him in who he accepts as a friend and what he allows people to do that he may not know. And me telling him, don't friend anyone, is not as effective as actually someone robbing him, right, over the Internet. So I think that that was... While it was bad and I don't want anyone to do that and I want to make sure that he is protected, sometimes those lessons are very helpful for... What specifically motivates you to learn more about the technology around you? I really want to make sure that students are equipped when they leave here and go into the workplace, that they're savvy enough to be able to keep up and to be creative or try something new or 
figure out a new way to be more efficient in their careers. So it really is for my students. And when I wrote ITCP or that instructional technology program, it was to put technology in the hands of faculty so that they could reach all of their students because I knew my reach was very limited. But it is about their futures. And I don't think there's one piece of technology that we can teach them how to use. It's more about teaching them the skills, how to be professional, how to have etiquette on the internet. If you can do an Excel spreadsheet, you can do a Google Doc or you right. So I want to yeah. teach them skills that are transferable with technology because I know it's needed in the workplace. Yeah. And anybody can fire up an email and write it, but you have to be taught to make it sound good. Exactly. How do you think technology has influenced the instructional techniques of professors that teach students that may have a disadvantage or disability like students from LifePath? So I don't work directly with LifePath, but I have been exposed to some of the things that they do. And I will say very quickly, two of their instructors actually went through ITCP okay. um, because they wanted to have more and more tools to uh, be able to reach their students. So there's two things I'm actually going to say. One, universal design for learning is basically an approach to education where you try to make learning accessible to everyone. Technology increases that ability. So if you just put information on a chalkboard, students may not get it that way. But if you can present it with a quick video story or with images, right, more and more students may be able to access that learning. They use a lot of visuals and videos in LifePath. But one of the strategies that I was exposed to is called video self-modeling, where students can record themselves practicing some of the appropriate and sometimes inappropriate behaviors that they're learning about in class. But once you record it, they're able to stop and reflect on real life examples instead of theory, right? Okay. So being able to record yourself provides a tangible example that more people can understand versus just words in a textbook. I honestly think that as a visual learner myself, mm -hmm. technology is extremely useful for visual learners, mm -hmm. specifically, especially when it comes to like videos and stuff. But, and I will say this too, I'm learning children who may read at a lower level can comprehend podcasts at a much higher level. Now that we've talked about what you believe is positive about mm -hmm. technology, what disadvantages does technology bring? It's not fast enough sometimes. I think uh, <laughs> the, more, the more technology we have, the more frustrated we get when it's slower than what we expect it to be or when I'm out of range and I can't access the internet. It has faults, right? And I think sometimes we think it's perfect and it's not perfect. It can fail you it can change. All right. So now let's talk about the future of technology. Uh -oh. So first off, personally, mm -hmm. where do you see yourself in five years time? Still higher ed. Hopefully I will have finished a degree. Now it's out there. So I have to finish the degree. I have to get in a program and be finished with the degree in five years. And I don't know, just advancing in my career. My son will be in high school at that time. Oh, that's Almost done with, <gasps> almost done with high school in five years. Yeah. That's where I, did you, was that the question? <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was where do you to see do yourself? With technology. It's where, well, the technology first coming later. It's coming, okay. We're, we're good. All right. We're still All good. Right. You're finishing a degree right now. Well, I have to start, I have to get in a program. Okay. And then hopefully in five years I'll be done. Oh, yes. I got you, I got yeah. you. Um, what degree is this? If it's going to be a PhD or EDD. Um, and I don't know what program yet. I'm looking into some higher ed leadership programs. That's actually really impressive. Thank you. Um, hopefully I'll be there in five years. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> my graduation, you're invited. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, but um, 
How do you think instructional technology can pave the way for you to reach that goal? Um, well, hope, well, if some of my classes are online, hopefully um, the instructors will use technology to actually present information. Mm-hmm. I'm a little afraid of online classes because I'm not very self-motivated. I need... <laughs> I really need interaction. So that's one way. But hopefully it can. You know, I think about some of the leadership groups I've been in. And even if it's something as simple as us all joining a group me app so that we can stay in touch with each other and network with one another or in a cohort setting, share ideas and thoughts with one another. I'm a big user of Trello. For those of you who may not know, it's a project management software. So that's going to help me keep my life together, right? Between being a parent and an employee and a student, I'm really going to need to keep track of everything I'm doing so that I don't get behind. Okay. Let's talk about D2L. Okay. Everybody's favorite or least favorite thing about Lone Star College, depending on who you ask. Let's start with this, right? The update on D2L, the Mm -hmm. kind of facelift that it's had. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of professors complain about it, basically, specifically from, not to call you out, UP, but professors from UP. (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) Call it a... No, I'm playing. I love UP. But professors from UP specifically, because I attend both campuses, Tomball and UP. What are your opinions on the D2L update? So it looks nicer. It's pretty much... Much the same for me. There are some minor, there are some changes. Probably shouldn't say, I don't think I did a training. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I'm supposed to say that. (laughs) I don't think I did the D2L training, um, but I figured it out and it's not that complicated. I've learned with any LMS or any technology, you have to be prepared for change. It would be contradictory for technology to remain the same all the time. So I think the mindset I have is I expect change to come. So I'm always prepared for change. I think sometimes when we don't expect it, and it hits us, it can be a bit more frustrating. But my point of view is a little bit different because I know that it's always evolving. So have you ever heard of D2L Pulse? Do you know what that is? Yes, it's on my phone. Shout out to Clark Friesen. He was the one that introduced this to me and I actually have my students download it now. Okay, good. Because a surprising amount of students actually haven't heard of D2L Pulse. We were interviewing a student for a D2L session thing that Multimedia Services was doing for another department. When we asked what D2L could do better, she was just like, oh, I wish there was a mobile app. Right after (laughs) After that, I pulled out my phone and I'm just like, hey, look at this mobile app. It's right here. It's called Pulse. And she was like, what? I never knew that. I have test anxiety. Like really bad test anxiety. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it doesn't really hit me until after. Okay. So afterwards, I'm just like stressing like, oh no, what did I get on my test? What did I get on my test? What did I get on my test? I look at my app. It gives me notification whenever it's graded. And I'm just like, oh, I got like a 74. It's not great, but it's passing. But I also know that there are some professors that refuse to use D2L. One of the professors I'm taking right now, he does not use D2L Mm -hmm. at all. Do you think that puts him in a disadvantage compares to other professors, or do you think that's just him adapting with his uh, learning style? It could just be him adapting. Coming from high school, I had to post grades. It was not an option students needed to know. And I understand that college is different. This is just my own personal philosophy. Because I work at a community college, I should keep students abreast of their status, their progress, right? It's because I want them to succeed. I don't want there to be any surprises. Now, you can maintain grades in another fashion, but I also know that with D2L, you can supplement learning. So for students who aren't going to get it in the classroom, you can use it to put up various materials so that they can kind of learn or study at their own pace. So it could be a disadvantage to students if instructors don't use it, but maybe there are other means that they're using to make sure that students are getting the supplement 
supplemental materials and the grades that they need, which are the common ways that D2L is used. One last question, because mm-hmm. um, I just thought about this. Virtual reality, mm. right? Freaks me out. <laughs> oh, does it now? <laughs> it okay, that's going to be interesting. Bit. At UP, they already have a virtual reality system mm-hmm. um, in their, uh, I forget what the thing's called, but I love that room. It's my mm-hmm. favorite room. The innovation room yes. lab is what it's called. What are your opinions on how that can be used for the classroom? Man, I think it can just totally change the classroom. I was teaching classroom management. I wanted to design or have someone design because I don't do design. Some sort of VR experience where they are in a classroom and students begin to misbehave and they learn how to, one, control themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But then also how to address that behavior. Because I think when you're in it, you really begin to feel what it's like to have that experience. And I think that will just make you more of an expert at handling situations. So I think if we do that, like if we can put students in real life situations and they can apply what they're learning, that's what we want, right? We don't want kids or students to just have book knowledge and no real world knowledge. And I think VR is a way for us to get give them that experience so that they're better equipped for whatever they want to do in the future. Thank you for coming on this podcast. Absolutely. Thank um, you for having me. And you were a wonderful interviewee. Thank you. I just wanted to say that. And was I one of the first? You are the first, actually. Oh, so that is, a, I'm trying to get more first on my resume. That, that, there's your first. <laughs> I was the first person to be interviewed in a community college podcast. That Therefore, is I am cooler than awesome. all of you. That is awesome. <laughs> All right, well, it was great having you on, and... All right, Stephen, you said I was terrible with technology, but here I am hijacking the podcast. But either way, I'd like to thank LaToya Lewis for coming in and chatting with us, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. You, the listener, are the reason that Media Mind will continue to create content to entertain you, as well as be informative. Please be sure to visit our channel and subscribe to LSC Tomball Multimedia Services if you haven't already. This helps us grow our content, and you get to hear all of our lovely voices. This is Media Mind, and we will see you in front of the camera.